Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to a TVO podcast. It has been five weeks since the first case of COVID-19. The latest figure... 28 the- patients have already checked in at this temporary field hospital at the Sportsplex at St. Clair College. Oh, hi, Matt. Hey, Mom. We're out front. We want to record one of your calls with Dad at the field hospital. You see me? Never. I sent you a nice letter. Did you? You want to listen to the letters I wrote you? Yeah. Dear Maury, I'm sitting on our swing in the backyard and it seems everything reminds me of you. So many memories. I'm Colin Ellis and you're listening to On Docs, a podcast about documentaries and the stories they tell. Can you believe it's been a year since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic? Sometimes it feels like it's been a lot longer, but today's documentary will give you some perspective on where we've been. Early in the lockdown, a number of field hospitals were created across Ontario to help treat seniors who had caught the virus in their long-term care homes. One of them was at St. Clair College in Windsor, Ontario. It's where director Matt Gallagher and producer Cornelia Principe had set their sights for a new film. But the hospital was resistant and they were thinking about parking the whole idea. We were negotiating access uh, and possible, you know, ways to tell the story with, with, with the hospital administrators down in Windsor. And uh, then my dad got COVID-19 and he was sent to that hospital. So it, it sort of changed uh, the way we wanted to tell the story very quickly. Within days of his father's diagnosis, Matt was traveling down to Windsor with a small crew to capture everything that happened, for better or worse. They recorded Skype conversations between his father, Maury, and his mother, Joan. They spoke with the healthcare workers who cared for him, and they spent time with other families who had their loved ones in the field hospital. Matt and Cornelia are here today to discuss all of that and more. Stay with us. Well, Matt and Cornelia, thank you so much for joining me today on Ondocs. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're about a year into the COVID-19 pandemic, but I was wondering if you remembered what you were working on before the lockdown hit. That's a great question because I'm having a hard time figuring well, what we... Well, we were uh, developing the CDC documentary. <laughs> right, right. So, 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 so we were actually developing um, a documentary uh, for CBC on international students and, and, and all of these international students and how they come to Canada and, and their journey and all that stuff. So we had, we had just started um, researching that and getting that ready to go. And then uh, the pandemic hit, which, which uh, shut that documentary down for a while. Yeah, we were sort of preparing to start filming in the fall of uh, 2021 when new students would be coming in for the new school year. And um, uh, quite quickly, we realized that was not going to happen. So we sort of we had to sort of put that project on hold. So what, I guess, then uh, inspired you to, I guess, switch gears from doing that to then doing a film about this field hospital in Windsor? Well, it started out, um, you know, I'm a Windsorite. I live in Toronto with Cornelia, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Windsorite. So I'm always sort of, you know, tuning into what's going on in Windsor. And uh, just when COVID started to 
break in, in Canada, um, my aunt, Virginia, was one of the first people at my dad's nursing home who actually got COVID and, and she actually died from it. And, and we were, we were uh, just sort of dealing with that. And I started to hear about this field hospital that was going to open up in Windsor to sort of help with COVID-19. And so Cornelia and I were talking about the idea of, you know, that might be an interesting documentary to sort of, you know, as a filmmaker, uh, you know, get embedded into the field hospital and sort of stay there for the duration and tell that story. So we were, we were negotiating access uh, and possible, you know, ways to tell the story with, with, with the hospital administrators down in Windsor. And, uh, then my dad got COVID-19 and he was sent to that hospital. So it, it sort of changed uh, the way we wanted to tell the story very quickly. Yeah. And the other factor was, in fact, the, the, the field hospital said that we couldn't film inside. It was a hard no um, because the place was in lockdown. Uh, they couldn't even let families in there to see their loved ones. And, you know, they said, we, you know, we certainly can't let a crew in. So we knew that we couldn't film inside the field hospital. And then when Matt's dad went into the field hospital, we realized there was a whole other part of the story that we weren't really focusing on. And that was the families on the outside, including Matt, including Matt's family, including all of us that were trying to deal with this new situation where they had their family member inside and they couldn't see them. They couldn't comfort them. Um, at the time in the spring, there was obviously a lot of anxiety. I mean, there still is a lot of anxiety, but even more so, I think in the spring, because COVID was an unknown, you know, um, we really, you know, and we had just gone through Matt's aunt passing away. So the stakes were huge. And we realized the stakes were not only huge for the people on the inside, but for people on the outside. So that's how the story sort of evolved rather quickly over a few weeks. But mm -hmm. it did sort of evolve into, um, you know, the initial idea that we pitched. How does that uncertainty, because I remember that time and obviously, yeah, it was, you know, I was before the mask mandate, you know, I was going to grocery stores without a mask and um, should I go to my, visit my parents? Should I not? Like, how does that kind of affect your filmmaking process though? It, it affected everything about it. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, strict protocols that uh, Cornelia, who's the producer, um, researched and, and spoke with doctors and nurses and and you got to remember that this was in the early days of the pandemic so this is when you know people are still sort of sanitizing their groceries and doing things and wearing rubber gloves and so we you know we didn't know how this you know virus was transmitted yet uh, and so we were being overly cautious and very very careful because I mean you know we're you know we're telling the stories of family members who have loved ones with COVID, you know, so, so, uh, you know, that's a very difficult story to tell, but it would be, uh, you know, the ultimate tragedy. I, I, th I thought that if the crew was responsible for somehow, you know, getting COVID or transmitting COVID to one of these other families. And so, so we were very, very careful. Yeah. And this was also the time before it, there was widespread use of face masks even, there was this sort of thing about face masks. You shouldn't wear them because you are using up the um, the resource, the PP uh, of what should be for frontline workers. So um, at the time we got cloth face masks made by a neighbor of Matt's sister in Windsor and she made these face. And so, you know, 
really early on, we realized we had to be overly careful because, I mean, you know, can you imagine one of the crew got sick or one of our subjects got sick? We just wanted to make sure that that, you know, that we would mitigate any possible risk. But there's still a risk, you know. Um, so that was certainly conversations that Matt and I had and that we had with TVO in terms of how to mitigate the risks. And then I had with doctors um, and the crew. Um, and so everyone sort of understood the risk and we were just really, really careful in every step of the way. And, uh, um, and fortunately, um, we were all healthy and fine in the end. And, and, it, and it, changed, it changed the way we had to make the film. I mean, uh, you know, uh, one thing that I love in documentary filming is the use of body mics, you know, because you can put one on it on, on a person and it's a small wireless lavalier with a body mic and it's good for 100 or 200 feet and people forget about it. And, and often you get these really nice moments when people are far away from the camera and, and, and you're shooting on a long lens and, and you know, it's it's easier for subjects to forget that there's a film crew there, but we couldn't do any of that. We, we couldn't use body mics because we weren't allowed to touch people. We weren't allowed to film in people's homes. We weren't allowed to get within 10 or 10, 10 or 12 feet of them. Uh, so we had to film through windows and, and through and film people outside and, and, and film in garages and big wide open spaces and things like that. So it, it's sort of the, the, the pandemic dictated um, how we told the story. And, and so instead of trying to hide that and pretend that, you know, that, that those kind of, um, you know, restrictions didn't exist, we decided very early on to include all of it. So in the film, you'll see, you know, uh, cameras and sound people and grip stands and reflector boards and lighting and things like that. So, so we, 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 we included that in the documentary because it, 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 it was very much part of the story. Was it difficult to give up control over recording to the people at the field hospital for the doc? It was, it was difficult because, um, you know, you know, having, having zoom calls and Skype calls with loved ones or work is, is difficult enough. I mean, I mean, how often have we been on a call when, uh, when you can't quite hear the person or something's wrong or they, they hit a switch or they don't realize that there's no audio, you know, so all those normal things, get magnified tenfold because you're dealing with um, people who are very sick, you know, and, and, and they're, and, and, and they're inside a hospital. But fortunately on, on, on the hospital side of things, um, a, a decision was made uh, from the staff at the hospital to really help the people, the patients of that hospital have that communication. And so uh, someone uh, from Windsor donated, you know, 20 iPads to all these uh, uh, patients down in, in, at, at, at the field hospital Windsor. So the hospital staff was was there every day sort of putting the iPad up and making sure that it was it was it was connected. And, and then they were sort of facilitating these calls with people on the outside. My job on the outside was to make sure that, you know, I was there for those Skype calls and phone calls while they were talking to their loved ones on the inside of the field hospital. So I had to sort of uh, do half of the job. Right. And the other thing to remember is that all, all the patients at the field hospital were elderly. Um, so a lot of them had dementia issues. And so for them, having that lifeline, being able to talk to their family was even more important because they were kind of lost 
in this, you know, they, they probably didn't even, most of them probably didn't even really realize they were sick. I know that your dad didn't really realize he was sick. He didn't know really where he was. And so having that connection with family, even through an iPad or a phone call or a letter was really important for their mental well-being um, as much as their physical well-being for sure. On that iPad, you might be able to get some news because I know you always love your news. You always read the newspaper. No, I don't. No, not anymore? Okay, then. You don't want to know what's going on? Nope. No news is good news. Okay, especially during a pandemic, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Your dad's name is Maury? Maury, yeah. Morgan, yep. Morgan. So tell us a little bit about him. What's he like? My dad is uh, 84 years old now, and uh, he is, uh, you know, uh, people in Windsor refer to him as Coach Gallagher because he was a longtime high school football coach for 30 years. Um, but yeah, he's 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 uh, he's well known in the community, and and he's he's taught a lot of uh, my uh, friends and family, and, and and coached them in football and track and field, and so he he uh, you know he was sport was always a big thing of his life. Um, you know, he's been married to my mom now for 50 something years and, <laughs> and, uh, they have a great relationship. Um, a couple years ago, more than, I, I guess more than a couple years ago, my dad started to, uh, get a sort of small, small, you know, sort of exhibit, uh, small, uh, symptoms of dementia and that progressively got worse. And so we, we sort of dealt with it at home for a while, but there was uh, at some point we had to move my dad into a long-term care facility and, and, and the dementia, you know, as, as it, as it progresses, just gets, you know, steadily heavier. And so he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's still with us mentally. He still remembers who I am, but, um, but now we have, you know, now we have to communicate through iPads and, and telephone calls, which is difficult. The nicest thing is that Dad knows it's me on the phone. He recognizes me and he, you know, he says he loves me and he calls me little nicknames. And so that's really important (laughs) that he knows, you know, that he knows me. That's really nice. I'm so lucky because a lot of people, you know, who have dementia, they don't, they don't know, they're not able to do that communication, you know, and that's, that's the thing I'm really, really grateful for. Jeez, that's the one thing I dread if he didn't know me, you know. If anyone here has had a conversation with somebody who has dementia, it's each time you have a conversation, it becomes a new thing to them. And so, you know, we've had many conversations where I explain the documentary. He thinks it's fantastic. He's, he's, he's you know, he's, he's always been uh, super proud of my documentary uh, filmmaking. And so he's, he's always excited to, uh, to find out what I'm working on. And that's one of his first questions all the time. We would have these discussions on Zoom and some of them are in the documentary where I would tell him that, hey, dad, I'm, I'm making this documentary and you and mom are in it. And he goes, oh, so what's it about? And I tell him about the field hospital and, and, and he's always surprised to realize that he's in a field hospital. And, and, but we, 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 we sort of have these conversations and, uh, each time we do, they're, they're, they're new to him, but he's always been very supportive of all the documentaries that I've done. And is your mom, was she kind of on board as well? Or what was, I guess, her reception to yeah. being in the doc as well? Um, my mom was more than on board. My mom was uh, in, in, entirely excited, you know, to, to, to be part of the documentary. I mean, uh, my mom, um, 
she she's always uh, uh, sort of been a bit of a ham in front of the camera. And so when I when when I sort of uh, was was working on this idea of maybe doing a documentary, I, I sort of of course floated it by her and, and thought what she would think of me documenting her and my dad's phone calls and Skype calls, and, and she was really into it. But uh, in the documentary, it became, I guess, a way for me to sort of keep close to my mom during the pandemic, because normally, you know, I mean, my, my mother lives in Windsor and I live in Toronto and I would have, you know, not been down there to visit her. But during the course of this documentary, we were filming, you know, my mom every day, uh, uh, you know, for like two or three months at a time where I was showing up with a camera and filming through her front window. And so, you know, those phone calls would only last, you know, you know, minutes or, you know, or, 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 or even shorter sometimes. But the idea that, um, we, we, you know, my mother and I would have these conversations that would happen outside of the filming and that became part of the film. What about face, FaceTime? What would it be like? Well, there's, a, there's, there's Skype and there's FaceTime. We I could mean, try. I mean, uh, which, which is better? They're about the same. That might be better because he could see my face and he'll look at it. Maybe yeah. he won't be like moving maybe yeah. and they could turn it up. Maybe we should try one. Okay. I can figure that out. I want to see his hair like a hippie. How long is it? Is it as long as yours? Probably down to his back. <laughs> yeah, so I think she actually really appreciated the company, you know, um, yeah. because she's isolated. She's on, She's been on her own. And so having Matt there with the crew um, and one of the crew members, our PA, was actually her grandson and our nephew. So it was sort of a bit of a family affair to some extent. Yeah. Um, so she... It was clear, and when I would talk to her at times, that she was really grateful to have that someone there to basically go with her on this journey because she was, you know, she was scared, she was lonely, and she was worried. And having Matt there, I think, um, gave her some strength, really. I hate to ask this question, but, you know, you mentioned your aunt passed away. And um, I just I wonder if you thought about that about your dad possibly dying and, 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 you know, having to capture that on film. I, I just wonder if that went through your mind. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we originally thought of the documentary, the documentary was going to be a story about the field hospital and, and the frontline workers at the field hospital. And so that's, so that's the story that I was interested in, in pursuing. And then when my dad was diagnosed and sent to that field hospital, um, we hadn't even um, talked to TV Ontario yet about this film. And so, you know, Cornelia and I had a, you know, long discussion about, you know, should we make a documentary on your mom and your dad at this field hospital? And, and I didn't want to make that documentary. I mean, there were, it's because I thought to myself this, you know, my aunt had just died from COVID-19. My dad just was diagnosed with COVID-19 and sent to a field hospital that at that point I, I, I was, I was assuming that it was a place where people were sent to die. I, th I thought this field hospital was going to be a warehouse for, for people to, while well, they died of COVID-19. So I didn't want to make that documentary. And when we pitched the documentary to TV Ontario, um, you know, I was almost hoping, you know, that they were going to say, no, no, we don't want to do this documentary because we pitch a lot of documentaries to TVO and sometimes they say yes, but more often than not, they say no. Uh, and that's just the way things go. And this was, this was a story that I was almost hoping that they said no to, um, but they said yes. And so, and so the next day uh, I loaded up the car with camera equipment and I went down and booked in, and booked a month in, in the hotel with my sound guy. And, 
and we and we sort of started to tell the story. I mean, when I when I got home, when I got back to that hotel in the evenings, then I had to then I had you know actually time to think about my dad and his health and what if it doesn't go well here and you know uh, you know I was prepared to tell that story if that story happened. I was prepared. I, I was there to tell a, a happy story or a sad story, and I, and I didn't know how that story was going to go. And that was, I guess, for for me anyways, and my mom, I guess that's that's where the sort of the tension was and the drama was in, 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 in the documentary anyways. And so, yeah, I, I, um, I thought about that a lot, and, and I was prepared to do that, um, but uh, I didn't want to. Yeah. Everything happened so quickly. I think if we had more time to think about it, he might have not done it, but from the day Matt's dad was admitted to the field hospital to the day you started filming was uh, seven days. Wow. So well, what about the other families? So Sorry. I was going to say it all happened so quickly. There was almost um, no time to really contemplate what, what he was walking into to some extent. And, and so I think that that, pro that process of fear is, is part of the film. Obviously, he's not knowing. You know what's going to happen. There are other families featured in the film. Did you know any of them prior to shooting, and how did you get them to take part in this? Well, because of all all the patients at the field hospital were all from the same nursing home, so a lot of the 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 patients and the family members either Matt knew directly or Matt's mother knew, and she was very helpful. But for example, there were relationships between. Um, one of the characters is one of one of the women in the field hospital is the son of Matt's cousin's husband. I mean, it's all there's a connection almost with each one in that they either knew each other from in, from the field hospital or from family. Um, and one and yeah. one and one and one of the families was actually uh, in one of my first documentaries or in one of our first documentaries yeah. for TVO yeah. titled The Rise and Fall of the Grumpy Burger. Yeah. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we profiled this Windsor filmmaker and one of the families was actually part of that documentary. So I had known that family for, you know, 25, 30 years. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, at the same time, convincing people to agree to go on camera with this was, you know, that was a huge stress on Matt because he started filming so quickly we hadn't set up any other of the characters before we got there. We had no time because everything was happening, you know, as we were filming. So that was um, a big part of, of Matt's, um, I think, stress too, was fi finding, you know, getting in touch with other family members who were in sensitive situations who, and convincing them to, to share their stories. And there were some family members that said no, um, that, you know, heard Matt out and then said, no, I, you know, we just can't do it. It's just too, too scary right now. Well, yeah. Cause, cause you're, you're asking the guys to bring up stuff about their parents, you know, like talking about their past. And I think some, in some instances, you know, the past is very painful for them. And I just, you know, and then they're also dealing with their mortality <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, like in, in real time. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I mean, again, it helped that Matt, um, knew some of them already um and that also uh, actually early on i think matt you did a bit of press so that people sort of understood what we were doing and so so he wasn't an unknown entity he wasn't a stranger calling you know cold calling people um and um 
And it also really helped that the field hospital was very cooperative. They were great. They really were. Um, understanding that Matt's father was in there. Um, they were, you know, always, you know, taking our calls if we had a, a question about um, what was going on inside the field hospital. Um, so they were really helpful as well. So in the end, there was, you know, a lot of, of, of a lot of cooperation and a lot of um, people who, who um, you know, wanted to share, you know, because I do think that everyone was sort of scared and isolated and in a way having someone to talk to, um, I think helped. Can you talk about the toll that the pandemic took on these, um, on the staff, on the doctors and the nurses and the housekeeping? Like just, I guess, yeah, what, what was it like for them to experience this? Well, during, during the actual uh, time when the field hospital was open for that 57-day period, I wasn't allowed into the field hospital. So all the stories that I archived were shot on the outside and through iPads and Skype calls and phone calls. So I didn't really meet the doctors and the nurses and the, and the housekeeping staff until uh, the fall when, when there was a lull you know, between the, the first Sorry. wave and, 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 and the second wave. August, August September. And, yeah. they, and they had actually cleared all the patients out of the, uh, out of the field hospital. And so the field hospital was sitting there empty. And so I approached, the, I approached the hospital and I asked to interview the staff. And so we brought the staff back one by one uh, and, and sat them down in this big, empty gymnasium uh, that was dark. And, 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 it, and it, it was just, you know, it still had all the medical equipment there. And and I sat I sat each one of them down and we and we talked we talked about their 57 days there and, and what that was like and they had firsthand knowledge of the people that I had already filmed with for the past two months so so they so they knew exactly who my dad was and exactly what he was like and they knew exactly who the other characters were and, and what they were like and, and their sort of their struggles and their triumphs and and those things that sort of got them through the day and so um, it was you know. The, the doctors and the nurses and, and the staff there, they're all, you know, bar none. They're just amazing people who, who took care of my dad and got my dad through something that uh, has killed so many. And so, uh, so I'm going to be forever grateful for that. But the, one of the best things about uh, interviewing them was is that they started to talk about, you know, you know, those iPads that were used to help the patients communicate well they were actually the doctors and nurses in their downtime were actually using them to film themselves and so <laughs> so so they were able to give me all that footage which you'll see some of it in the documentary but you started to see um you know the inside of a field hospital during the height of a pandemic in the first wave there and you started to see uh how these how these hospital staff and doctors took care of the patients who were there and and what I saw, what I learned is that, is that there was a lot more than just regular medicine happening there. Like they were going above and beyond the call because the staff knew that normally in a normal hospital environment, you know, the, the, the patient's families can visit. Uh, well, that couldn't happen this time. So, 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 so the hospital staff often spoke about being, being a surrogate for the family members. And, and so, that, so that was nice. That was actually my big takeaway was just the importance that they play in terms of uh, providing that physical touch that we kind of take for granted, right? Like I couldn't see my own, actually I, my, I had my own COVID uh, story. My, my uncle passed away from COVID and we couldn't visit him in the hospital. No. And, you know, I actually was supposed to Skype with him. I think the day before he, he died. And it's, 
awful that I didn't get to say goodbye. And, you know, they, this hospital staff obviously were providing, uh, that comfort to him, you know, so that he could, I guess they could communicate with my, uh, my cousins. And, um, I mean, that's just, I don't think that's something that any maybe nurse or doctor really prepares for. Right. I, I don't know. Did any of them kind of speak on that? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not something that they teach in medical school, you know? And so, so a lot of, uh, you know, like I, I, I spoke to one nurse who was talking about her own grandparents and, and she said that she was there for the final moments when her grandparents died. I mean, this was before the pandemic and, but she, she, so, she, so she knew the importance of, you know, of a, of a, of a, of a touch on the hand or a touch on the, on the forehead and, and what, 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 you know, how people respond well to that sort of thing. I mean, I interviewed, um, uh, the Chignowski family extensively for the documentary and their father and husband didn't make it through the field hospital. He, he, uh, Mr. Dan Chignowski died at the field hospital from COVID, but I was talking to his wife, Mrs. Chignowski, and, and she was talking about touch and, 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 and she said it was very difficult. She, she says, you know, I've, I've been married to him for so long and, and I, and I just, I, I long for that touch and she said, but one thing that, that, that reassured me is when I was on one of those Skype calls with my husband of 55 years, I saw a nurse come in and, 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 the, and the nurse came in and she didn't know that I was watching, but I could see the nurse adjust his pillow and sort of make sure he was comfortable. And, and, she, and she said she saw the nurse touch his hand and, and sort of wipe the hair from his, his brow. And so Mrs. Chignowski was um, sort of relieved to know that even though she couldn't be there, this nurse could do what she could not. What was that like for you to see your husband of 55 years on a Zoom call and you couldn't be with him, you couldn't touch him, you couldn't touch his hand? I mean, that must have been very difficult for you. Yes, it was. But relief came when a nurse came in and she touched him. She put her hand on his cheek, on his forehead, move a little bit, a pillow, so he would be comfortable. And seeing how soft she was, how gentle, that was a relief for me. I, I imagine when you're going through the footage uh, of this, do you kind of, I guess, pick out that as the theme of the film or, or do you kind of go into it, like kind of knowing what you want the film to be about? How do you, I guess, yeah, I guess, I, I guess, approach it, um, you know, when you're, I guess, cutting it all together. Like, how do you kind of, I guess, approach the uh, the story, I guess? Well, I mean, in the beginning, you know, when, you know, when we got that green light from TVO to make this film and I packed the car quickly and I went down to Windsor and 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 I started to film, I mean, at that point in the filming, you're just, you know, you're, you're approaching it like a, like a war photographer would. You're just, you're just raising your camera and filming what you can film. And, and you don't know what the story is going to be or how the story is going to turn. But uh, I think the theme of touch started to, uh, to, started to sort of um, rise to the surface very early in the filmmaking where everyone had started to talk about it. And, and it was something that I, I didn't put much thought to. I, I, I thought that, you know, that, that, that this film was about sort of those, those, uh, those uh, dispatches, those communications that were going back and forth. But 
which was a very important part of the film, of course. But what happened was, is that everyone started to talk about touch and everyone started to talk about the lack of touch. And, and, and the longer we filmed, the, the, you know, as the first wave, you know, tr you know, trucked along, uh, people start to talk about it more. So then, uh, you know, we we're watching footage and, and Cornelia and I start, you know, sort of shaping our, you know, structure for the film. And we start asking people about it more. And then that's when it really started to bubble to the surface. Hmm. Well, I have to ask, um, you know, cause we're kind of getting it towards the end of our conversation, just, uh, how your parents are doing. Uh, my parents are doing as good as can be expected. I mean, my dad's out of the field hospital. He's, he's back at the nursing home and my mom's an essential caregiver. So she goes in there every day and they've both been vaccinated and they're both physically healthy. Um, you know, uh, my dad, you know, is is uh, still suffering from dementia. That's only getting more and more difficult as the as the months go by. And and you know, I mean, I I haven't been closer than you know ten feet from my father in the last year. So, you know, we're we're very uh, you know we're we're like very happy that he made it through, and we're very happy that uh, he's that he's healthy now. But uh, you know, we're we're all looking for the day when this is all over, and we can give each other a hug. What do you kind of hope people will take away from the film? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, your mother says something about never giving up hope, which I think is um, a, a beautiful moment at the end where she says, you know, you got to sort of don't give up hope. And I think all of us could use a little hope in the pandemic, whether we've suffered from COVID directly or indirectly by a shutdown. Um, so I think having a little bit of hope and also recognizing that there's been, um, you know, a collective tragedy with COVID, um, whether again, it's deaths or, um, loss of, of all, you know, freedom and income and everything else that we have been struggling with. Um, and there's something about, I think Matt being there with his mother, even though he couldn't touch her and he could had to stay six feet away from her, that that showed um, like you can be a support um, as uh, as a family member, even though you can't hug them. So, you know, I mean, I still think it can it can be appreciated um, even at a distance at six feet apart. Well, I think the results speak for themselves, and I want to thank you both for coming on on Docs today. Thank you. Thank you. And that's the podcast. You can watch Dispatches from a Field Hospital on TVO or TVO.org. While you're here, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about us? It helps new listeners find the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at ColinEllis81. Thanks to producer and editor Matthew O'Mara, senior producer Katie O'Connor, production support coordinators Nikki Ashworth and Jonathan Hallowell, and executive producer Laurie Few. We'll catch you at the next screening.